Best bets. I was one and one, Marco. How'd you do? I was one and one. I just was looking to see. Trevor was one and one, and, yep. our, and our boy Scott went two and up. Speaking of which, the big offensive lineman, the 15-time Emmy Award winner, does a great job with ESPN. Trevor Maddis joins us now. Trev, what's going on, my man? I am mad uh. at that Bengals linebacker that showed Mahomes when he was out of bounds that turned what might have been a 60-yard field goal into a 45-yard field goal, and Kansas City wins on a walk-off, and I'm not 2-0. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you know what? You. I mean, who knows? I, I was hoping it would go to overtime, and Cincinnati would win. And the score was tied at the time, so it's not necessarily that thing, but I'm mad at that guy because I wanted to be 2-0. Right, Marco? Uh, yeah, you, you were there. Cause that was a coin flip game. Trevor, what do you do as a teammate when somebody makes a bonehead play like that? I mean – you know, I know it was a bang bang play, and he's trying, you know, trying to stop Mahomes. But that was the game, that fifteen yard penalty. Yeah, as a teammate, you need to keep yourself and your teammate focused on what has to happen the next play. The problem was the next play was the game winning field goal, so that was that. And there were some Bengals that that popped off about the stupidity of that play, and then they had to apologize for it. But they were right. I mean, they weren't right to pop off about it. <clears throat> you talk to them. You know, you don't, need, you don't even really need to talk to him. There are some things you need to talk to a guy about. But this is one of your team leaders, right, Osai? And he is not a guy that needs to be schooled on what needs to happen. He, he made a just absolutely bonehead play. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if what he was trying to do was add a little bit more pain to that ankle injury of Patrick Mahomes so that if he came back in and ran another play, he'd be hurting even more. But this is one of those plays that – you know, Bengals fans, I think, lump into uh, a whole bunch of plays of calls that went against them. A lot of them were the right call to go against them. Some of them were not the right call, in my opinion. And there were some non-calls on the Chiefs that should have been called in the Bengals' favor. So I can see where Cincinnati fans uh, are up in arms about it. But this particular one, Mahomes was clearly running out of bounds. He was clearly out of bounds when Osai then hit it. And so it was one of those things where you don't even really need to say anything to Osai. He knows the ramifications of this. I mean, you can't really add anything to what he already knows. And the thing about it is, too, where people, it was a late flag, and he pushed him right out of bounds, and then he did the two-hand shove. And that's when you know you could clearly see that both feet were well beyond the white. He was clearly out of bounds. And if he doesn't do the two-hand shove there, then it doesn't get called. But it just seemed like you, like you said, Trevor, it was like the frustration. He got this gainer. Obviously, I don't think he maybe knew where they were on the field because he was just fine right there. Cause, cause he first he pushed on with the left hand and then there was another step and there was a two hand shove. And then that's why the flag, you know, came out a little bit later. And that's why when you heard Jim Nance's call, it was like, you know, oh, and there's a flag. You know, so yeah, just bonehead move. You got to know where you're at on the field. You got to know, you know, everything. I mean, time, distance, yeah. as we know. So, it just, it just seemed like, yeah, it was is inexcusable. So for any Bengal fan or any football fan to to say that wasn't a penalty or try to defend that action, it's that's nonsense. No, and it was dangerous because Mahomes, yes. who already yes. had a bad ankle, went flying out of bounds onto the ground and and into a bunch of people. And equipment down there. So In, was, into the Bengals bench, by the way, too. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah it, it was dangerous. Yeah. So you got to ask yourself, what's the penalty for a personal foul? Is it 15 yards? Well, maybe it's a Super Bowl berth. We don't know that, 
You know, it, because we don't know what would happen the next play. I mean, they had 17 seconds when they snapped the, I think it was 17 seconds when they snapped the ball the next play uh, for the field goal. They just had no timeouts. I think that's the way it was. But the, but the point is that uh, they would have been 15 yards back. It would have been a much, much longer field goal attempt, a much lower percentage field goal attempt instead of a 45 one if they didn't gain any yards on the next play, you know, and didn't go to kick it right then. So these are all what ifs. So we can't say directly that this cost them the Super Bowl. Plus, all we would have had is a tie game that would have gone to overtime. So we don't know that Cincinnati would have won in overtime, but this is the what if of Cincinnati fans, of the Cincinnati team, and of that particular player, that the the penalty for that that personal foul wasn't just 15 yards. It was a potential Super Bowl bowl berth. And and not knowing that it wasn't a Super Bowl berth that it cost him is something that's going to haunt that player for the rest of his career and the rest of his life. You saw Joseph Asai just mad, weeping, feeling bad, put his helmet back on. He was consoled by some teammates. Uh, he realized, you know, what he did. Uh, he actually gathered himself a little bit and got a chance to talk in front of his locker after the game. Here's what he said uh, about the play. It was great knowing that I had my, the support of my teammates. And um, I just got to, I got to, like Sam was saying, I got to learn from experience and um, I gotta know not to not to get close to that quarterback when he's close to that sideline. If, if there's anything that could uh, possibly cause a penalty in a dire situation like that, I gotta do better. I was just in full chase mode, and I was trying to um, I was trying to push him to maybe um, get him going backwards because I knew he was going for that sideline. I was trying to make him go backwards, get that clock running, but um, I I didn't know I I haven't seen it yet. I didn't know how far out of bounds we were, but um, yeah. Didn't know how far out of bounds he was, Trevor. I mean, you buying that one? No. Yeah. You know, because that's, that's, I mean, one thing that always astonishes me when I watch football now is not the violence. It's like, well, I used to do that, really? Uh, that, that doesn't astonish me. What astonishes me is not how fast they go. It's how suddenly they stop. When the whistle blows, you go from trying to rip the living body apart of one of the greatest athletes in the world on the other side of the ball from you to stop, right? That that always just surprises me when I watch it. And when a guy's going out of bounds, uh, you, you know where he is and you know where you are. And so, you know, the fact that, you know, he says that he wasn't sure where he was, well, also have a little bit of awareness. Patrick Mahomes, fully healthy, might have stuck his foot in the ground and cut back into the field of play. But Patrick Mahomes that's hopping around on one leg all game and you've been watching him do it, you've been hitting him and sacking him and pressuring him, Joseph Osai. Uh, and all of a sudden now he's running for the first down marker. He's got the first down marker. And you know he's not going to cut back inside. You err on the side of caution on that one. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, just don't, I, just, I just don't see that as a play where he can credibly say that he wasn't sure where that guy was. He just wanted to hit Patrick Mahomes and he was going to hit Patrick Mahomes. To me, it's in some ways that level of frustration or more even selfishness that we saw with Trent Williams with the 49ers at the end of that game with the Eagles, where they were getting all chippy and, you know, they were almost fighting. And all of a sudden Trent grabbed an Eagle, a little Eagle, one of the smaller guys on the defense, and literally just threw him onto the ground, body slammed. It was a fantastic, outstanding body slam. Um, 
Unfortunately, the rules of football frown upon that kind of thing, and he got ejected from the gate for it. But that was just out of pure, utter frustration, right? And he knew he shouldn't have done that. And um, it was the same kind of thing. That didn't cost him the game. Obviously, the game was long over. But when Osai hit Mahomes there, and the announcer said, eh, flag is out, I- I'm thinking this is a classic, eternal, bonehead moment that will live in infamy for a program, for a franchise. Yeah. I mean, it kind of takes you back to Leon Lett and the mistakes that he made with Dallas. And this poor guy, I mean, and he's uh, he seems like, a you know a pretty kind of humble quiet guy and he realized he made a mistake uh it didn't seem like one of these hot head guys but just he lost time and place and that's uh you kind of you kind of you kind of feel bad for him you do because like you said he's gonna have to wear this not only during the entire off season but you know um maybe the rest of his career especially with the Bengals you know if he's on this team moving forward they don't get back to another Super Bowl because like, you, hey, you you may have let a, a Super Bowl ring slip away. I remember, yeah, and that's possible. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I was going to say, Trevor reminded me. Do you remember the playoff game between the Steelers and the Bengals when Antonio Brown got taken out by Barflick on a, a perfect? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that wasn't the trip to the Super Bowl, but Pittsburgh advanced with that play in the penalty and then he didn't have Antonio Brown because of the concussion the next week and I still say that's why they lost the playoff game to Denver no question hey we we, we haven't heard from that guy have we no perfect I mean he's been been long gone hey go ahead Trevor yeah well it's the it's the what if of it yeah um you know it's it's the what if of it all that that really that really gets you because there are I mean you could make a case that you know if you knew exactly that this play led to this result then, you know, then you either know that you messed up or you know that you dodged one and it wasn't your fault because of the way it turned out. You know, kicker misses a, a 25-yard field goal, but you end up winning by one. Okay. Or the kicker misses a 25-yard field goal and you end up losing by one. It's a different thing. Or kicker misses a 25-yard field goal in the fourth quarter, which forced your team, instead of running out the clock, to have to go into desperation, throw the ball down the field mode and, you know, and things change and things happen. So every cause has an effect. Everything that happens in a football game affects the next things that happen. And so, you know, we, he won't be able to say that this cost us a Super Bowl berth, but it is, it, it cost them a chance at the Super Bowl berth. And that what if, is part of what will haunt him. No doubt. Trevor Madshed joins us. Trev, we talked with you last week, as well as our quarterback, Steve Berline, wide receiver Mike Pritchard, and you guys all said the same thing in regards to the Patrick Mahomes injury because I asked all three of you guys about playing with that type of injury. And I don't, and we finally now hearing Patrick Mahomes after the game say how much pain he was in and he would have never probably been able to play or if it was a regular season game, whether, whether it was week three, 10, 14, whatever, he, he wouldn't have played. Tell me what you saw yesterday as he is trying to navigate his way through this game yesterday in regard to the high sprained right ankle. I saw a guy that just gutted out, uh, Gutted out a game in, in a way that, that people don't understand because a high ankle sprain is its own unique kind of misery. It doesn't just give you great pain, 
the pain escalates exponentially as you put pressure on it. In other words, when you're standing there, it might just ache. But all of a sudden, if you put some pressure, some sideways pressure on your toe, on the end of your foot, it, it will go from zero to 100 miles an hour right now. And then that's just with a little bit of pressure. Now, all of a sudden, you put the pressure of actually having to cut and move, and that thing spikes exponentially from there. And so it, it's uh, it's not just the pain you deal with. It's the debilitation. It's the weakness that it causes. And you put those things together with a player who is accustomed to, to, to juking and, and making fakes and making cuts at weird angles and things like that. And his body muscle memory goes to do that and his ankle betrays him and it betrays him in that he can't make the move. The rest of his body won't move as far as fast as he wants it to go, but it also betrays him in biting him with that pain as that muscle memory, as he tried to make this move kicks in. And so I, I thought that he was beyond magnificent in that game because I know what it's like. I mean, I've had that injury. There's an offensive lineman that's different from a quarterback, certainly. But I, I understand what it's like to play with that. I understand what it's like to play with other injuries, too, where it's just a, a steady state of debilitation, where you are, okay, you're at 80% right now, and that's all you can do, so that's what you do. You're at 70%. That's all you can do. But this high ankle sprain will is, is a sliding scale that spikes and then comes down and then spikes bites and then comes down. It's a, it's a really hard thing to play with. And I'll tell you what, Mahomes, you know, I, I don't think that the offense of the Chiefs won that game. I thought it was the defense. And if there's the biggest superstar of that game wasn't Mahomes, actually, it was Chris Jones, the defensive lineman for the Chiefs. But when you look at Mahomes for what he did in order to do just enough so that their defense was able to win it for him, Mahomes deserves all the accolades that he's been getting. I just wish Jones would get more. And just to put a stamp on this injury here and, and what he did yesterday, and correct me if I'm wrong, Trevor, but your recovery time for this with just rehabbing and, you know, in, in getting rest is like three to four weeks, right? And he came back and he played. Now the Super Bowl is two weeks away. Uh, how, how good does he have a chance to really fully or, or recover? before the Super Bowl, or is this still going to linger even though he'll be playing, you know, 13 days from now? In my experience, it'll be worse. It'll be worse. Wow. They'll take care of him on the practice field, but high ankle sprains don't just, it's not like a pulled hamstring, you know, that you can, you can treat it and it'll, it'll just, it might get a lot better over the course of a couple of weeks. It will usually get a lot better over the course of a couple of weeks, unless it's a really bad tear um, of a pull. But with a, with a, with a high ankle sprain, it, it takes time and, and there's no substitute for the time except to have that tightrope surgery, which is where they literally put a couple of, of metal cables in your ankle that connect to bones in your high ankle area. <clears throat> they don't mash the bones together. They just support the bones so that the ligaments that have been injured aren't stressed as much. Uh, when those bones flex, the ligaments are supposed to, you know, protect those bones from moving in different directions. Those ligaments now are injured. And when, when you move in certain ways with a high ankle sprain, things go south. You put in that tightrope surgery, it stabilizes those bones and it takes some of the pressure off of the injured soft tissue so you can get back into the game sooner. We've seen that happen with a bunch of college players, uh, in recent years. And, uh, but I don't think they're going to do that. I, I, I don't think there's enough time to recover from that tightrope surgery. And based on what I know about high ankle surgeries, 
I think that that he probably aggravated the injury greatly in the game against the Bengals, and that the best he could do is have it not get worse in practice and have to deal with the same thing again, if not worse, in the Super Bowl. You mentioned the uh, Chiefs defense, Chris Jones, two sacks. We talked about this last week where he hadn't had a playoff sack. Is he going to show up? He showed up big time. Frank Clark was good uh, as well, too. But for me, Trevor, the Cincinnati running game, we've talked about it before. I mean, they were fantastic against Buffalo, but we've seen at times where they disappear. That running game was non-existent yesterday, and when you look at what they did on the ground, Joe Burrow was your leading rusher with 30 yards yesterday. He was your leading rusher. Joe Mixon carried the ball eight times for 19 yards. one nine, 19. And then uh, Perrine carried the ball five times for 22 yards. Uh, you're not going to win you know, football games like that. Again, why did the Bengals abandon this running game when it was so proficient the week earlier against Buffalo? Well, part of the reason was, and we talked about this in, in previewing this game, that you know I picked Cincinnati to uh, to beat Buffalo in part because the offensive line with the three injured starters was probably going to face a, a, a defense that had to deal with a very slick field, and it turned out it wasn't just slick; it was snowy, and that slows them down. It takes away the defense's ability to drive off the ball, to do extreme cuts in terms of slants and stunts, to turn the corner on the edge. And when the offensive line is bigger, they just sort of ooze off the ball, just kind of move off the ball and lean on them, and they don't have the traction to stop you as well. And that helps, right? That's one thing I was worried about in this game, and I picked Cincinnati anyway because uh, of Burrow. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. And so the, the offensive line for Cincinnati wasn't able to handle what Kansas City was doing on defense. Now, part of it, too, was that I think there was a, a decision that they were going to ride with the best player on their team, and that's Burrow. They ran, they ran it 17 times, uh, and they threw it 41. And, you know, it's not that they were trailing tremendously in this game and they just had to throw caution to the wind. I think they realized that their offensive line wasn't going to be able to assert their will. And why are you handing it off and letting three backup offensive linemen determine your ceiling when you've got Joe Burrow back there? who can get the ball out very quickly. And to the credit of the Cincinnati Brain Trust, early on he got sacked and sacked and sacked. And then they started keeping running backs in and tight ends in, and he had a little bit more time to throw. Um, and uh, and so things started to work a little bit better. Still, he wasn't all that effective at getting the ball down the field. He only averaged six and, six and a half yards per throw. But I think a, a, a re- part of the reason that they decided not to run the ball that well was when they saw that it wasn't working, they figured, look, we got to put the ball in the arm of Burrow and trust him to get the ball out quickly because otherwise we're trusting three backup offensive linemen to take us to the Super Bowl. When you go over to the NFC game, just a terrible game, terrible dud of a game, and you know we'll give credit to Philadelphia, but we, we did not see the best of San Francisco. Trevor, I have never, ever seen a playoff game where a team ran out of quarterbacks. And that's exactly what happened. Have you ever seen anything like this? No, no. I mean, when you start the game with your third-string quarterback and and then he, he gets injured. And by the way, we just got the information in uh, that he tore his UCL. This is Brock Purdy now, the quarterback for the 49ers. 
That's the ulnar collateral ligament, which is in your elbow. And apparently it was a complete tear. At least that's the report that I heard. So when the four-string quarterback, Josh Johnson, went in there, um, he ended up getting hurt. He got a concussion. And they put Purdy back in, and he wasn't able to throw at all because his arm was flopping around. Um, they probably should have just put McCaffrey back in there as a wildcat. The announcers were talking about that during the game, and I thought that was a smart, a smart point to make. And just you have an extra blocker in there and let him do a jump pass once in a while. But if the defense knows you're not going to throw it anyway, then why have the quarterback on the field? That kind of a thing, you know. And so I, I've never seen that before. But I tell you what, there's a lot of there's a lot of directions to go with that because there's a lot of conversation today about how silly the NFL rule is to have 53 guys on the roster that are getting paid full pay, practice, full practice, not practice squad guys. There's another 16 on the practice squad, 53 guys. And I think it's only 46 of them could be active for game day. The rest of them have to be inactive. So you could have in those guys from 46 to 53, extra offensive linemen, extra quarterbacks, extra in case you need them. And I think part of the conversation now is that, that the fact that the NFL has that bonehead move, because you're paying them anyway, meant that in this huge showcase game, the NFC Championship game, the fans didn't get to see the best product that they would have gotten to see had the 49ers had more guys active to deal with the injuries that they were dealing with. And, and most teams, some teams carry three quarterbacks on the active roster, but very few teams carry three quarterbacks excuse me, on the active, on the 53-man right. roster. But very few teams carry three quarterbacks active on game day on the 46-man roster, right? And so most of the time there's only two quarterbacks there. And so w- would the game have been different if they had had a quarterback who could throw for three quarters of that game, even if he was a, a fourth-string quarterback? At least he could throw at all. Because the guy that ended up playing that game was Purdy, who came back in after his injury because Johnson got a concussion, and it was clear to everybody he wasn't going to be able to throw at all. And so the NFL has this showcase game where, you know, it's not the best product on the field that it could have been. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a change to that rule and we see them activating all 53 of them going forward. When you look at the Eagles, they had a great season, really didn't end the season very, very well. And you can make the case, like we talked about last week, where, I mean, they beat, you know, not a whole lot of winning teams, a bunch of teams with, with nine and eight records. And then you open the playoffs against the Giants, a team that you dominated three times, you know, twice during the regular season. You beat them rather handily. And then you face a San Francisco team yesterday that doesn't have a quarterback that is, you know, can't throw a pass in the second half. I mean, literally can't throw a pass. How? Does this prepare you for facing the Kansas City Chiefs? And do you think that the, you know, that the Eagles, I mean, they've kind of been a benefactor here of having home field advantage, the first round by, and, you know, facing the two teams that they faced. What kind of effect does it have on them as they prepare for the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl? You know, I don't know that it'll have a, a tremendous amount of effect. Uh, the Eagles, you're right. I mean, they beat those teams that you mentioned that weren't very good and in their division. Dallas was up and down. Washington is, you know, Washington actually beat them, but, yeah. uh, but, you know, they couldn't really throw the ball all that well. Um, and I talk about this from a standpoint of stats because from a statistical standpoint, the Eagles defense was fantastic. You know, just absolutely fantastic. And when it comes to sacks, 
in the regular season, I believe it was, they led the league in sacks by a country mile. They had 70 team sacks, and Kansas City was number two with 55. Now, I don't think that, that includes this last week of games. But the, uh, but, the, but the defense, you know, the secondary is very good. The linebackers are active. The D-line gets after the quarterback. You know, if they have a flaw, it's that teams that can run usually run pretty well against them. But they end up having to abandon the run because they, uh, and the offense ends up scoring so many points so quickly that opposing teams have to start throwing it. So it hasn't been a problem so far for them. Um, from a standpoint of, of their weakness being exposed. Um, and so I, I think they're going to be okay. Plus, see, when you look at this game, we'll see as time goes on who practices and to what degree. But Kansas City is banged up, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got four receivers, three wideouts, and their tight end, Travis Kelsey, that are some degree of banged up or out. And I don't know who's going to be ready, to what degree they'll be ready. Um, and that matters, too. I mean, Philly is largely – healthy. I mean, their right guard went down in that game with an elbow, I think, in the second half. And I don't know how, I don't know if he came back or, or what his situation was. But overall, Philly's pretty healthy. You know, and again, we have to put an asterisk on that to see how healthy Jalen Hurts' shoulder is. Um, but, you know, Philly, or the, the Chiefs right now are really messed up. And so I, I'm leaning right now Philly because I I I, I don't know that Mahomes is going to have that many people to throw the ball to. You know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a problem. And so I think the Chiefs or the Eagles are very, 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 very good. Uh, they've got a solid offensive line. They've got good running backs. They've got a dual threat quarterback and we'll see how healthy he can be because he'll need to be healthy because the Chiefs can get after him. You know, they've got multiple dynamic elite receiving threats on the edge and Devontae Smith and, uh, A.J. Brown, and they're good at tight end. I mean, this is it's hard to find exploitable weaknesses on the Chiefs on either side of the ball to the extent that you would think that you can beat them there. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. we got two weeks uh, to wait, Trevor, and uh, you've been around long enough. you played in the era where sometimes, you know, the NFL would go back and forth with this where they would, you know, not take a week off. And then sometimes, and then they went back to, you know, permanently where, uh, they did take the week off. You got two weeks in between the championship game and the Super Bowl. Uh, which do you prefer, uh, as a player? Well, you know, I, I, I think taking, taking the week off is, uh, is good because you can really enjoy the moment, but sometimes enjoying the moment is not what you want to do. You know, I mean, enjoying the moment, I think on a human level is nice. Uh, I mean, when the Patriots won the Super Bowl my rookie year, um, it was 1985. So it was before either of you were born. And uh, and I didn't get to play in that game. I was injured and, and on injured reserve, and I watched that game in street clothes. So I didn't get to play. It was the Patriots and Bears in New Orleans. And, you know, I'm wandering around the, the French Quarter and walked into a restaurant, and there's Jim McMahon, the Bears quarterback, who was a teammate of mine at BYU. He's like, hey, how's it going, man? And so we, you know, we talked a little bit and all that. Things like that are, they're, they're just fun. They're just part of it. You'd be out and about and you enjoy the ambiance. But as an NFL player, what you're used to is, uh, week to week to week to week. From a mental standpoint, it's much better for guys to play again the next week. But I will say this, that at this point in the season, guys have already played 17 regular season games. And now these teams had a bye. Um, in the playoffs, and then they play two more. So they've already played 19 games, and there's a lot of 
conversation also going on there right now um, about whether or not, because of all the injuries that we saw, especially with the Chiefs and their little guys, you know, their tight end and their receivers, and, um, question as to whether or not that's too many games. There might be a limit to how many games the human body can take before it starts breaking down. That's just one extra regular season game, and they didn't have a buy in the postseason, but that's part of the conversation now. Which I think brings us back to, you know, you have 53 guys on the, on the active roster, so you can sub guys out a little bit, not an extra game, but maybe not as many plays as they would have had ordinarily. So you take that in to answer your question. Is it better to have the week off or to just go the next week? I think right now, because of the 17 game regular season, with pretty much everybody playing with some sort of injuries with that extra game under their belt, they darn well better have an extra game before the Super Bowl, or else the Super Bowl might not be the best product that the NFL can put out there because you got a bunch of guys that are playing with too injured, too banged up to give their best performance. Trevor, quick question for you if we're talking rule changes. You being a lineman, how do you like the push play? With uh, Before you couldn't do that, now it's legal. It's not football. I don't like it. I put that out on Twitter yesterday and got, got a lot of uh, – feedback both ways on it um it is in my opinion dangerous the rule is you can't assist the player to go forward but they've interpreted it as you can't um pull a player because but, you know, you but that's be definitely assist when you're pushing someone that you're definitely assisting them whether yeah, it's, it's push definitely pull. assisting that's yeah. right and, and you know there can be like one of the philadelphia the philadelphia touchdown where they just lined up around a couple of quarterback sneaks where everybody all piled in, looked like victory formation, right? Right. And you just knew what was going to happen. Um, you know, one of the guys that was doing the pushing was behind the quarterback, but he was actually kind of just on the side of him pushing a defender to keep that defender from, uh, you know, getting into the quarterback's legs. You know, so the, the, the officials need to, you know, they need to know what's being pushed and what isn't. But I think it's dangerous, and here's why. When you are one-on-one with an opposing player, you hit that player, he hits you, there's a certain amount of force that's expected that you train for. But now if another guy comes up behind him, the opposing player, and slams into him, it'll collapse you. And, you know, that happens all the time on, on defense where, you know, a runner is being gang-tackled and guys just come piling in. But to me, it's the same thing on offense now when you do that push. Now you've got all that extra pressure uh, on that quarterback, or on in, you know, whoever, usually it is the quarterback that's getting pushed, but certainly the offensive ball carrier who's being pushed from behind, and then all those players in the front that are pushing from that direction, and there's nowhere for him to go but to pop by a water balloon, for goodness sake. And, you know, I don't know how many injuries we've seen. I don't, I don't know if somebody has, has tracked that, but I can tell you, as someone that's been in the middle of piles where people are piling in from both sides, not just one, I don't think it's safe. You know, some things are inherently dangerous. Anyhow, Mahomes, when he uh, fumbled that ball, he went to he went to throw it and it popped out of his hand, and um, Cincinnati ended up recovering. Well, Mahomes was reaching for it with his right hand. Mahomes was laying on his belly, reaching with his right arm, kind of parallel to the ground. And the player, I think it might have been Osai, that jumped on that that fumble for Cincinnati, also jumped on Mahomes' right arm. And then you have to do that in a fumble because you got to do everything you can to, to reach it. But you're reaching out and people are, are diving on your arm. Nothing you can do about that. But they did take a lot of the collisions on kickoff out of the game, right, by changing the rule. 
so that you don't have as many collisions on kickoffs because you now have more touchbacks and there's a fair catch rule and stuff like that. And when it comes to that bush push, I think they can also uh, help their players and take away something that's risky. I just don't like that from a safety standpoint. He is Trevor Maddich. Trevor, we appreciate you joining. We cannot leave this show, though, without bringing up a a food question here. And uh, before you got on, a little, little heated discussion happened. So uh, I know Marco's dying to ask you a, a food question. And I'm sure you, you, you won't mind that at all, right? Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> I have all the answers, and I am right. That's what we do. All right. All right. In any of your travels to Cincinnati, have you had Skyline Chili? I have. Verdict? Hold on. Survey says, drum roll, please. That's awesome. This is just for me. You know, there's three verdicts, right? There's guilty and not guilty. Uh, And then there's overrated. In my personal opinion, Skyline Chili is overrated. I do not get it. That a boy, Trent. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. What was that sound effect you played? (laughs) What? What? How does that equate? What is that? Because me and Marco just died. You, Marco, just died. Thank yeah. you. Oh, Tre- Tre- oh, okay, I got you. Trevor and TC won. Marco Numchuck nil. There you go. Yeah, well, Marco's ahead of me on the picks, though. So you know, I gotta. I gotta, maybe I have to eat Skyline Chili as penance if I if I don't uh, tie him up in the Super Bowl. Please do do not make that a food bet. Okay, we there there are delicacies galore that uh, the the winner can can reap on. And Skyline but Chili is not one shot, of them. Though. I was ahead of him by a game or two, and he said, I'm just coming up on the outside. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Marco, I got this. And then all of a sudden, Marco <laughs> went on a run, and I had some bad breaks. And next thing you know, Marco's ahead. And Marco, I've got to tell you, I am in pain. <laughs> well, listen, while you're you know, having that high ankle sprain, you know, and you use the horse racing reference, I mean, Marco is a horse owner. Marco eats like a horse. It kind of sometimes resembles Mr. Ed. Uh, there, there it is. <laughs> what, if, what if we kidnap one of his horses and, and barbecue it? Oh. oh. No, we would never do that. We love horses. That's right. We would never do that. Uh, Are you a racehorse owner, Marco? Yes. Harness racing. Uh. Okay, uh, is, is the horse nice or is he mean? Uh, I've got four. They're, they're nice. One's named after my wife, so she's you know she can be a little moody. <laughs> <laughs> That's strong. Uh, all right, brother. Well, we appreciate the time uh, as always. Uh, we'll talk to you again as we get ready to hype this thing up and uh, talk a little more Super Bowl. But uh, great stuff as usual, my friend. Great analogy, and hopefully uh, you enjoyed the game uh, with some of your, uh, your your favorite food choices yesterday. Yes, it was. Uh, my wife is amazing chef, and so it was quite a day. All right, good friend, good deal, my friend. All right, we'll talk to you later, Trev. I appreciate you. Thanks, guys. There he is, Trevor Manich. There it is. See, you get to sit with Trevor on, on a Friday during the best bets, and then you sit with him on Monday. And what do you do? I mean, it's like you you bring out a skyline chili reference. Hey, we had we had to take the vote. So it's nobody two, two. outside it's of two. Cincinnati likes that. Nobody. I'm from Pittsburgh. It's not bad. Like I said, you're in that corridor over there, okay? So that's kind of vicinity for you. So we're doing weather forecasts. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, the same weather. Uh, It's on the opposite side of the state. It's closer to Kentucky, okay? That's true. (laughs) That's true.